Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 1, Episode 4. I'm Bethany, your host, and joining me as guests are YouTubers Jade from Bedtime Bookworm and Tori from Tori Morrow. In today's episode, we will be talking about using science fiction to explore fear and existential threat. If you want to support the podcast and get early access to episodes and exciting bonus content from all of our guests, check out our Patreon linked in the show notes. Okay, before our conversation today, it's time for On My Radar, where I'm going to share 10 recent or upcoming book releases in science fiction, fantasy, and romance. In this case, I think you're going to get a couple of bonuses. I'm going to give you my top eight, and my guests will have the opportunity to share one or two of their own. The books for today's episode will be released between November 9th and November 24th, 2020, with the exception of the guest recommendations. They are free to suggest any upcoming releases. Beginning with Romance, on November 9th from Karina Adores, we're getting Learned Behaviors by Jace Ellis. This is a cute-looking office romance between two single dads, and it's set around Thanksgiving, which is perfect, coming out in November. Then on November 24th, we've got two titles releasing. Also from Karina Adores, we have Just Like This by Cole McDade. This is the second book in a series of own voices, male-male romances set at an elite boarding school. This one is an opposites attract age gap romance between the young new art, dance, and music teacher at Albion Academy and the football coach. Then coming out from Berkeley, we have the latest book in the Guild Hunter series by Nalini Singh. Archangel's Son is the 13th installment in this paranormal fantasy romance series involving angels and vampires. Moving on to speculative releases, on November 17th, we have a whopping four books to talk about. A lot of things coming out that day. First up from Berkeley, we have The Bright and Breaking Sea by Chloe Neal. This one is a swashbuckling fantasy adventure with a magical female captain, a political mystery, and a strong dash of romance. Then from Harper Voyager is the highly anticipated conclusion to the Poppy War trilogy. The Burning God by R.F. Kuang is the final installment in a phenomenal dark military fantasy inspired by the real history of 20th century China. And no doubt this one is going to rip all of our hearts out, but I am ready for it. Then from Orbit, we have a debut space opera that's the first in a trilogy. Nofet Gloss by Essa Hansen follows a young man on a quest for revenge, surviving alongside a crew of misfit aliens on a mysterious ship. This one also has a queer element to it involving gender fluidity. Then finally, from Margaret K. McElderberry is a debut YA fantasy that looks interesting. These Violent Delights from Chloe Gong reimagines Romeo and Juliet in 1920s Shanghai with rival gangs and a monstrous contagion. All the contagion books with COVID-19. It's going to be going to be fun. Then on November 24th from Abrams, we are getting the first volume in a graphic novel adaptation of the sci-fi classic Dune. Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson are working on this project, and I'm really curious to see what they do with it. Of course, the timing leading up to the release of the new film version of Dune is likely an intentional one, but I'm really interested to see how this translates into a different medium. With that said, please join me in welcoming Jade and Tori to the show. Thank you guys for joining me tonight. Hi, thank you for having us. This is exciting. Very excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Can you guys each briefly introduce yourselves to our listeners and share your pick or picks for an exciting upcoming release? So my booktube channel is Bedtime Bookworm, and I generally read SFF, a lot of fantasy, a little bit of sci-fi, but I do also like to read a few other genres like horrors and thrillers 
and historical fiction sometimes, so a smattering of genres on my channel. And I also read a mix of YA and adult, so you'll get both of those from me. As far as new releases that I am excited about, <laughs> the first one, I'm not sure I really need to mention because I feel like a lot of people already know about this, but it is one that I am very excited for, and that is Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. It is the fourth Starlight Archive series, which is this huge epic fantasy series he is writing and I have recently been binging these in an attempt to get caught up before Rhythm of War comes out and I have thoroughly been enjoying my time with these characters and being in this world. It is such a cool fantasy world. And another book that I'm super excited about that I've been waiting on for it seems like years now is the fourth book in the An Ember in the Ashes series by Sabah Tahir. This is coming out in December. It's had a few delays so I think everyone who is reading the series or has read the series is really excited for it and I cannot wait to get my hands on this one. Yeah that'll be a good one. And Tori. Hi, everyone. So I'm Tori from the channel Tori Morrow, and um, I primarily read adult science fiction and fantasy. Um, I really love epic fantasy. So yeah, that's usually what I'm into. And yeah, sometimes I also read a little bit of uh, YA, uh, mostly YA science fiction. And yeah, you'll get a lot of that on my channel. Two upcoming releases that I'm really looking forward to is A History of What Comes Next by Silva Nouvelle. I love his work so much. So this was a surprise. It was just announced like a few weeks ago that he had something new coming out. And it's supposedly this dark and satirical look at uh, rocketry in the 1940s and just kind of this exploration of morality. Yeah, so it should be pretty good. And the next one is A Desolation Called Peace by Arcady Martine. And this is the follow-up to A Memory Called Empire, which came out last year, and that's a space opera. And it's incredible. I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's a really good one. I just got an email about getting the, an e-arc for the second one, so I'm really excited for that. <laughs> it for you. Oh, my so gosh. Is that supposed to be a duology? Do you guys know? Or is I think so. I think yeah. so. I think it's supposed to be a duology. Yeah, that's a really good one. Because I actually wasn't a huge fan of that one. I feel like that's such an unpopular opinion that like, I mean, I, it was fine. I just didn't love it as much as everybody else. And so I'm really on the fence about whether or not I want to pick up the sequel. But knowing it's just a duology kind of makes me inclined to go ahead and pick it up and just see how it ends. Yeah, I feel like it's a particular brand of sci-fi that's much heavier on like the political intrigue. So it's interesting because I think readers of sci-fi can be looking for different things. Things, which we could, you know, obviously we're talking about science fiction tonight, so that might be an interesting thing to consider as well. Although the the primary thing I do want to talk about is how we use sci-fi as a way of coping with existential dread and things that we're afraid of. And I feel like this is something that we've done for a very long time, for the entire history of the sci-fi genre in some ways. You know, the fear of the technology advancing too quickly or, you know, what can happen if people try to play God. So I'd be curious to hear your guys' perspective on what you think that looks like in sci-fi and why perhaps we do that. Yeah. um, Oh my gosh. Well, I would always read sci-fi just to kind of escape reality, but in 2020, we're living in some kind of like sci-fi dystopian right now. So it's kind yeah. of hard to, yeah, to kind of get away from that. But yeah, like you mentioned, the the fear of technology, I think that's that's huge. We see that all the time in, in, in sci-fi and ever-changing government. That's been huge lately in different dystopian novels that I've been reading. There's this really great one called The Q 
And it's just kind of this exploration of all these loopholes that people have to jump through in order to get just approval for basic things that they need. Mm. We've been seeing that a lot lately. And I think, um, you know, it's just kind of becoming this mirror of our current reality right now. Yeah, that's really interesting. Who is the author for that one? So the author is Basma Abdel Aziz. They're Egyptian. So yeah, it's a work of Middle Eastern literature and it was just, it was so fascinating. So um, I recommend that one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely love that sci-fi explores a lot of like what if questions, like what if we were able to do this with technology or what if this happened? So I personally really love reading like virus outbreak stories and this was mm-hmm. pre-2020 <laughs> I still enjoy them, but I I, def- I enjoyed them previous to this year um, I just I love seeing how people survive you know crazy situations and adapt to you know different viruses and things like that but also the whole like exploring technology and exploring artificial intelligence and um, I, I love when science fiction books really explore that line between like humanity and AIs and like at what point like how how human can an AI get yeah sort of mm-hmm. I love looking at that kind of stuff yeah absolutely well it's interesting right because you get sometimes examples where that's potentially a really scary thing of AI getting too advanced. I know that the same thing is true of sci-fi films as well as books, but I guess the thing that traditionally comes to mind is, um, oh gosh, space, is it Space Odyssey? 2001 Space Odyssey? I've seen the movie, but it was like a long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I know, I mean, it's kind of a long one. It's a classic at this point, but it's interesting because that one is definitely the negative, scary side of what if AI gets too advanced. But then you have something like The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, which is I really- I was just thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> I was thinking about that too, yes. Oh my gosh. It's such a great series. For anybody who hasn't read them, you really need to read them. They're, you know, if you like some snark with your sci-fi and, you know, AI that gets advanced, it's really fun. So it's interesting seeing, like, it's the fear of- AI maybe getting smarter than us versus do we ascribe humanity to artificial intelligence if it Mm -hmm. grows enough? So that's like an interesting conversation. Another series that I'm actually like, I'm in the middle of the second book right now. Uh, But as far as, you know, it kind of ties together what you were saying earlier, Tori, about like government having too much control and then the AI thing. But I'm currently in the middle of Thunderhead, which is the second book in the Scythe series, the Ark of the Scythe. Mm-hmm. by Neil Schusterman. So that in that world, you know, there's this AI that has been invented that is basically perfect. And, you know, because of the Thunderhead, they've eradicated all kinds of diseases. And um, like, basically, nothing bad happens to people. And there's these people called scythes who have to go around killing people because nobody dies anymore. But I more want to focus on the Thunderhead, because it's this AI that basically sees everything and can do everything that it wants and it's but it's really benevolent you know like mm-hmm. it could be it's what we are scared of but it's an example in you know in a book of an ai who has a lot of control over people but isn't abusing that power which i think mm-hmm. is really interesting mm-hmm. interesting yeah that's a oh my gosh the Scythe series that's those are that's a great trilogy really i'm super it. excited to finish it oh <laughs> you are in for the ending jade 
you're in for a treat. It's so good. <laughs> I've <laughs> still only read the first one. Oh, oh no. <laughs> it would get wild, Bethany. Like, like we was mentioning the AI, the way the Thunderhead just kind of takes control over everything is, I mean, it, it thinks it's not doing anything wrong, but at the same time, it's so creepy the way that it just keeps advancing. And then it's almost like the AI starts to get angry at the way that we're perceived that we're receiving it. And so it almost gets a little even more controlling interesting yeah it's a good one yeah that's well one that I really loved from I guess now a couple years back was that was a YA book that was dealing with artificial intelligence was The Kingdom by Jess Rothenberg I feel like I raved about this book so much the year (laughs) it came out but I really loved it but it was interesting because it was set at this theme park that was kind of like Disneyland on steroids basically with these AI princesses who were supposed to like make visitors dreams come true but it gets really weird and creepy and it's like what does it mean to be human and also you know misogyny and the problematic things that that can happen when you think oh well this is artificial intelligence they're not really girls so it's fine and like the creepy things that can happen with that so it was really really interesting it's also a murder mystery so it's like in the future did she kill this person and if she did can she be held accountable for it because she's not human so I just that was like a really interesting exploration of a lot of dynamics that go into that like how do we determine humanity and what does it mean i don't know it's yeah it's really interesting yeah and it's it's terrifying too i this mm-hmm. you know this idea I'm, I'm really fascinated by like ai just getting way too smart like the more we start interacting with it and um there's this great um sci-fi collection the forward collection it's you can buy it on ebook but it's free for prime members and there's this great story in there by blake crouch where this game designer is kind of having this relationship with this AI that he's created and the video game character and he's just kind of losing himself in this project and then the AI is getting smarter and smarter enough to basically come into our world and start really wreaking havoc on his life it's stuff like that is terrifying (laughs) yeah it is so so I think you know you Jade you had mentioned this thing about viruses getting out of control and I think this that's also interesting. I talked about this thing of existential dread, right? And part mm. of that could be AI kind of making humans no longer necessary or matter, but it could also be super viruses or diseases that like we can't control when we try to control things. And I think we're seeing on a small scale some of that with with COVID. Obviously, I think things are much more dramatic in literature from time to time, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on like books that you feel like do that well and why there's an appeal to that. Yeah. Um, So when I think about virus outbreak books, one of my favorites, it's a trilogy. I haven't actually read the third book yet, but I really want to. Uh, But the trilogy is called This Mortal Coil by Emily Mm -hmm. Suveda. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic uh, because there's been this virus outbreak that, and the virus in this in this series is just like the coolest that I've ever read, and it's quite terrifying. Um, <laughs> but basically, I, I call it like a reverse zombie virus because it when people start to get sick, uh, they get this hunger where they like want to eat 
other people and that's one way that the virus can spread but then if or at the end of you know when they're at the end of their life they explode and like their body and virus particles just go up into the air and float around and get you know blown around and so the virus spreads that way as well so, so creepy it's really kind of a crazy virus and I think it's terrifying because there's just like not a good way it just it spreads so easily and that's mm -hmm. something that's really hard about viruses is when they spread easily but I that's one of the coolest viruses I've ever read about the other thing I like about that series is that so it's set in the future and people have these like control panels in their arms and they're able to hack their own DNA so it kind of combines mm -hmm. computer programming mm -hmm. with uh with genetics which I think is just like a super cool combination and cool. um they're trying to you know fight the virus and find a cure by hacking their DNA so that's a series that I have really enjoyed so far and I think it does the virus thing really really well that's really cool yeah I've read the first couple of them also and they're yeah that's a, that's a good series that is a good series. Have you, you did you say you finished it, Jay? I need still need to read the third one. Yeah, Same. I still need to read the third one too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> better read it together. We should. <laughs> That's a good idea. I mean, for me, one of the reasons why I find virus outbreaks interesting is like how does the world, you know, react to it and how mm -hmm. do humans adapt, right? Um, I mean, and this is what I love about zombie books too. Like, I mean, zombie books are virus outbreaks, really, and just the whole survival aspect to it, I find fascinating. I just like post-apocalyptic in general and seeing how people will survive when they're put in these like really intense situations. I think partially because I have no survival skills. And I think that <laughs> if I was in any sort of post-apocalyptic situation, I would not make it for very long. Uh, so I think that's right. one of the reasons why I find it fascinating. But just also when you have like a small group of people, you know, that you're following in a, in a book, maybe, you know, the group dynamics can get really interesting when it mm -hmm. comes down to survival mm -hmm. and what people are going to do, even if they're friends or like, you know, you really get to the core of being a moral person when your life and the lives of your the lives of your loved ones are like at stake and just seeing how group dynamics change and fall apart I find really fascinating yeah I totally I definitely agree with that um I love the post-apocalyptic genre I think just seeing the way that humanity bounces back or you know if they bounce back it's just it's it always makes for an intriguing premise so mm -hmm. um you know it, it really puts into perspective you know things that are important and I remember reading Station Eleven years ago at this point, and you know we're just kind of watching the breakdown of society and this illness is spreading. And you had these characters at the end talking about, oh, I I had these emails to answer or I had this conference call to go to. So I think books like that, it's just like, man, are the you know what's important in life, and mm. are we stressing about the wrong things basically? So I love kind of the reflective aspect of post-apocalyptic novels of virus outbreaks mm -hmm. seeing who ends up on the metaphorical good versus evil side is always fascinating yeah no I'm kind of with you I think the relational and psychological piece of it is so interesting and that is I think what appeals to me about The Walking Dead I don't know if you guys watch the show <laughs> watch the show but that's my favorite show <laughs> oh, I love it <laughs> Are you still watching it, Tori? Oh, um, yes, unfortunately. I, 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 we loved that show for a long time, but after a, a 
few particular things that I won't go into, we (laughs) no longer watch that show. And now I'm, I'm terrified of like, I still want to go back and rewatch some of it and like kind of catch up because I've missed years at this point. But I also... I'm not I'm scared to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> so I I'm a season behind, but I've been really liking this season cuz it had really gone downhill and then I feel like they did a time jump and kind of did some fresh things that I think are interesting at least for me. So I'm oh, yeah. I, I'm not on the newest season yet. I'm but so far I've been pretty happy with like the new direction it seems yeah. to be taking. It's great when Angela Kang took over uh as showrunner. Things just you could tell she was really trying to pull in the strings on the story and trying to tighten mm-hmm. things up a little bit so I will say season this past season season 10 was actually really good so yeah. um Jay you got to get back on the on the train <laughs> yeah to- all right all right you guys are convincing me it, it goes downhill and then it gets it gets better and I think gets back to some of the roots of what made it so interesting but I think yeah. I've never been that into zombie stories in general um and this you know is a virus also but I think what I find so appealing about it is the the human interaction and the psychology of it and of those questions of how do you keep your humanity or build a society Mm -hmm. in this kind of a situation when things are so violent and it's interesting to see people's different perspectives on it and different responses to the trauma that they're facing so Mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree I mean that's part of what I think is so appealing about about that yes definitely yeah definitely and just the with the whole zombie <laughs> genre, I never, aside from The Walking Dead, I was never a big like zombie post-apocalyptic reader. Yeah, but same. For some reason, I've been reading a lot of like zombie books lately. I've been reading <laughs> books post-apocalyptic vampires. I mean, it's just I'm like, who am I right now? You're really fun. Well, there's this really great um this trilogy called Until the End of the World and that's kind of Oh, I want to read that. I've heard such good things. It is so good. So I just kind of picked that up on a whim. It was like on Kindle Unlimited. I was like, oh fine, I'll read it, whatever. And I was surprised I actually got hooked on that. So that just led me down like a zombie novel (laughs) like rabbit hole. That's cool. (laughs) Love it. So Oddly, like I never saw the movie, but I read World War Z and Ooh, that's a good one. I really loved it. And the audiobook was so good. But that was interesting because it's really more about the politics than the zombies. And that to me is really interesting. Like, if this thing happened, how would political leaders around the world respond to it? <laughs> like, right. So and it's also like I mean, I think post 2020, reading these books is even more interesting. Yeah. Because one thing that I like never really expected with some, you know, any sort of virus outbreak was this whole like, is it real? Is this really happening? How serious is it? Like Mm -hmm. when you read a zombie book, it's like, oh, this is serious. And like, you know, things start happening right away. But with something that's like less serious, you know, like the virus we have going on, it's like a little more nebulous, you know, and I just I think reading any sort of virus outbreak book in the context of having lived through 2020 just feels very different to me now. I just I I look at it differently. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what we get in the genre coming out of this, if we're going to get more things of like these subtleties of communities, for example, who don't believe in what's happening and refuse to like acknowledge it. Like, I think that's existed somewhat, but I'd be curious to see how that ends up reframing the way people write about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, same. I I can completely see a surge in like post-apocalyptic, the post-apocalyptic genre when this is all over. 
Yeah. Oh, me too. And I'm so Definitely. ready to read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Oddly enough. <laughs> no. Well, you. a lot of times like virus outbreaks, it people don't want to read it right now. And I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But also I feel like the viruses in these books tend to be a lot worse, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like, this is, mm-hmm. you know, the worst case scenario. So I feel good about our situation because it's not this bad. That's how right. I look at it. <laughs> yeah i can see that it could be so much worse oh yeah oh my god (laughs) jay when you mentioned like oh people don't want to read about this right now so at the start of uh the pandemic i almost did a video like recommending all of these post-apocalyptic books and i was like this (laughs) i probably should not do this (laughs) (laughs) right it's like it's too close to home we've been using it's just interesting how we've been using this genre as an escape for so long and now that it feels like we're living it it's like okay I can't I can't touch this right now yeah yeah Yeah, it definitely affects it that's so interesting but I think you're right I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of an uptick in all of this once things calm down a bit it's like a coping mechanism too right it's like cathartic sometimes to Mm -hmm. read about this sort of thing (laughs) it really is because you want to see how like characters are reacting like we mentioned how characters are reacting how um i love the breakdown of society that sounds really morbid but just seeing the mm-hmm. oh, oh me too i love it yeah no it's really <laughs> interesting Good. okay i'm glad i'm not the odd one out on this and just no <laughs> <laughs> it's no. interesting to read how just you know with the snap of a finger it's like all of these things just in literature how they just crumble and mm-hmm. um just witnessing the breakdown of that with all these different characters is I mean, it's great to read about. Yeah. Well, it, what's I think what's interesting, too, sometimes is reading something set so far in the future. So, okay, so this this is, like, often considered a fantasy series, but Red Sister and Grey Sister by Mark Lawrence, like, that trilogy, Book of the Ancestors, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So those are interesting because they read, like, fantasy, but with the world building they're actually sci-fi they're set like way distant in a post-apocalyptic future so oh, wow. far where things have broken down that things feel like magic instead of science and that to me is so fascinating Ooh. i have to check that out i've never read that That's really I, yeah. I love books that are like that or like any sort of media that's set in a, a future, like a regressed future. I, I think that's so cool. Yeah. I've definitely read a few things um, that have that kind of world building. And I, I think it's so fun. I agree. It's, well, it's just interesting, right? Because, and I'm trying to remember what it was. I read something like that recently and I saw somebody pushing back on it. Like, well, would this actually really happen though? Where they would suddenly think that it's like magic. Oh, I remember Goddess in the Machine by Laura Beth Johnson. I I loved it so much and I feel like I'm one of the only people. So many people did not like it. Oh, what is it called? <laughs> Goddess in the Machine? Goddess in the Machine. Yeah, oh. it's this YA sci-fi book following this teen girl who goes into like cryogenic sleep and it's supposed to be for 100 years until she wakes up on a new colony with her family. But she wakes up and it's a thousand years in the future. She's in this like dystopian world and everybody thinks she's a goddess and their understanding of science has broken down so far that they see it as magic, even though she knows that it's not. I think that's totally possible. Yeah. Like things to break down. So it kind of reminds me of the book of Coley by M.R. Carey. I don't know if either of you guys have read that. I haven't. I've seen it around. I didn't know what it was about though. Yeah. It's set 
in a regressed future. Basically, so this is another thing about sci-fi that I think it's really interesting. When we uh, explore the unintended consequences of science. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this series, it's set way in our future. It's post-apocalyptic. And what caused the apocalypse is basically people, we were experimenting on plants. (laughs) And I think... If I remember correctly, it's like we were trying to get plants to grow more efficiently or something like that. But basically, we created plants that crave human flesh or maybe just flesh in general, I guess. And so the trees started like attacking people. And now people live in these really tiny villages. We've basically reverted to like um, having tribes and we live behind these like big walls to keep the trees out and Mm -hmm. we don't go out during the day and things like that. But Anyways, they have remnants of our technology. It's actually, you know, more advanced technology than what we have right now. And the people in this world think that it's magic. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you guys, oh, Tori, you play video games, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like Horizon Zero I do Dawn. Too sometimes, but not that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Horizon Zero Dawn. So, like, oh, it yeah. feels kind of like a prehistoric setting, but there's all this technology, and the people mm-hmm. who are in this world think that the technology is magic. Hmm. I, Jade, I remember your video talking about the Book of Coley, and I like screamed in your comment section. I was like, "Oh, look, Horizon Zero. <laughs> well, now I'm going to add that to my TBR. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's it's an adult book, but it does feel a little YA. It's a little bit of a coming of age story, and the main character is, you know, dealing with coming of age in his tribe and you know, things that he has to do. And for whatever reason, he has to like leave his tribe and do all these other things. And yeah, uh, yeah, the first book is a bit of a coming of age story. And I'm excited to see what the second book does. I think we'll learn more about how this world came to be the way it is. There's also a really fun like AI character who's like, you know, the funny sidekick sort of thing Mm -hmm. that I love. And so it it was pretty good. Cool. And I'm excited to read the next one. That's Um, awesome. Yeah, I never really knew what it was about, but that sounds very inter- very much like something I'd be interested in. Definitely. The second book, right, Jay? The second book is out. Okay. Um, okay. It came out last month, I think. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, it came out recently. And then the third book is actually coming out early next year. They, they did it oh, wow. cool because they did it instead of one year between books. It's like six months between books. Oh, cool. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yay. Yeah, it's interesting because I, uh, I was saying with Goddess in the Machine, I had seen somebody say, well, this just seems unrealistic that in a thousand years people could regress like that. But then I, you know, I was like, well, we have it in human history, right? You think about the, the medieval time period regress technologically. The Romans had things like indoor plumbing. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and, you know, that we lost for many years um so you know i i don't think it's as out there as people seem to think it is no not at all (laughs) so another piece of this we could talk about is aliens because sci-fi can go in so many different directions but i think that's another place that can be interesting where aliens can come into a story and can either be this exciting opportunity for new peaceful relationships at times Or it can be an existential threat where we must protect humanity at all costs and the aliens are out to get us. Or a blend of both as a way of like dealing with 
xenophobia <laughs> and thinking through some of those things, which is interesting. So I'd be curious to hear you guys talk about that on some level. I'm not sure I've read any actual alien books. Like I'm trying to think, I mean, I read The Host like 20 years ago. Yeah. So maybe that. And I, I definitely grew up reading The Animorphs. So <laughs> there's some some aliens there. But more recently, I really can't think of aliens in any of the books that I've read except uh, maybe Children of Time. Tori, have you read that I yet? I haven't. That, that's another. I think that might be a 21 read for me. Okay. You should really get to it because I'm curious what you'll think. Bethany I, I did not like it. it. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I was just. <laughs> it's it's very different, and I don't know if I would really consider the what's in it to be aliens. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Not really. No. Not really. Right. Okay. <laughs> like I hate. Them. So in that case, I don't think I've actually read any books with aliens in them. Well, so I mean, like on the happier side of things, I was thinking like um, Becky Chambers books, for instance. Oh sure. Oh, yeah. I've read her short story. That's the only thing of hers I've read. Oh, But there were some aliens in there. Yeah, Yeah, there were. And her. there's even more as actual characters in Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. And that's interesting because I think it's more on the side of let's get to know these different cultures and try to be more inclusive, even though there might also be, like, war things that you're having to fight back on, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. I love her books. I've only read – so the Wayward – what is it? The Wayward Trilogy? Mm. Forgetting the name of it. but along with The the Wayfarer. Yeah, The Wayfarer. Um, With that, I've only read the first book, but I have read her uh, novella, Mm -hmm. Too Unfortunate. I don't – there's no aliens in that, but (laughs) – as far as uh, Long Way to a Small Angry Planet goes, that was the first kind of space opera I read or sci-fi that I read that I felt was trying to do a little bit more with like culture and almost like in an anthropology sense than the other sci-fi I've written because it was this huge focus on just culture and identity and, you know, different cultural practices and things like that versus a traditional like space opera type of story. So that's... yeah. Becky Chambers, she got me into reading space opera. Oh, <laughs> Just, I love it. Like, yeah, kind of the soft side of it and how mm-hmm. um, the way we interact with different cultures or aliens or, um, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, that kind of reminds me of the Expanse series, which sort of doesn't, it doesn't really have aliens, but there are people like humans who have grown up either on Mars or grown up on Earth or grown yeah. up like in mm-hmm. um, the further reaches of space. And they have very different cultures and even like look different and speak differently. Yeah. So even though they're not aliens, it does kind of explore what it means to be human and differences between people in that way. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely agree with that. And then just even... So what are they called? Uh, belters, the the ones that mm-hmm. kind of live farther away. Just even how we exploit different cultures and different people, I think, is a huge part of that book. You have war breaking out between the belters and like Earth and Mars. So I think that's really representative of how we treat people who we think are different from us and in our society right now and exploit them for resources and things like that. So Yeah, and I think it's interesting in the Expanse series because in the end, they are all human. So it's like they can't use the excuse of them being a different species for any sort of like reason why they're treating them differently or having these wars and things because in the end we're we're all human you know yeah so i think that's really interesting about the expanse series that's interesting 
Yeah. Yeah. I recently read a book that's kind of a genre bender that's interesting with this. Um, It's called Sia Martinez and the Moonlit Beginning of Everything. I can't remember the author name, but I'll have it in the show notes. And it's kind of a blend of a YA contemporary coming of age story with aliens. So it's like why a contemporary meets Roswell. And in some ways it reads kind of like a love letter to the X-Files. But what's interesting about this one is the main character is um, a teen girl whose mom was an undocumented immigrant. At the beginning of the book, we find out that she had been captured by ICE, sent back across the border, and then died trying to come back to reach her family. And so it deals with like grief and coming of age and different things. But what's really interesting is that when you get the alien part of it, it's also using the wordplay as a way of talking about these bigger issues, right? Because the word alien can be used to discuss a an immigrant, or it can be used to talk about a being from outer space. And yeah. so it uses those parallels of dealing with themes of violence and fear and kind of how we treat people through talking about aliens which i just thought was so interesting and smart yeah no that oh that is really interesting that actually reminds me have any of you read the test yes yeah i have yeah yeah, yeah. i really oh like that you jade i felt so bad for you on that live show <laughs> uh, it was okay it, it was hard for me to be honest but uh, I just wish I had gone first because then it would have been, know. you know, not as awkward, yeah. maybe. But yeah. anyways, what happened? <laughs> this was for the it was for the BookTube SFF awards, and everyone else had issues with the test. And yeah, it. so there were three of us judges for the short stories or sh- the short works, mm-hmm. and the other two said that the test was offensive and racist, Ooh. and then I said it was my favorite. Oh. So that was really awkward. <laughs> I felt really bad. I didn't see those things and I I did enjoy it. So, yeah. Oh, man. Now I wish I maybe I need to read it again. I don't know. I feel awkward, too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, books are subjective and everyone interprets it based on our own experiences. And obviously, like, I didn't see the things that they saw. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought it was a really like fun kind of like a, a, a mind f yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. it was kind of you know it makes you think about things and i really enjoyed that yeah. but apparently you know i don't want to say apparently mm-hmm. obviously some people you know interpreted it differently and that's okay yeah but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah i i mean it seemed like at least in one case there was somebody who was very close to yes the the specific the immigration process. yeah like the specific yeah. process of beco- immigrating to the uk and so i think like you know that was probably part of it. I really liked it also. I mean, I saw kind of what they were saying, but I, I thought it was an interesting one. I wish I would have watched the live show. That would have been a really just interesting discussion to kind of see the the other side of it. I actually, I, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> but I, I thought it was a, just almost a strong commentary on, you know, the hoops that we put people who are trying to mm-hmm. immigrate to different countries and just how almost ridiculous it is these loopholes that we put them through and mm-hmm. yeah and like how can you really judge if someone is a quote-unquote good person right. based on yeah. like a small test that you give them yeah, yeah. I thought it was a cool commentary on that so no I agree I kind of wonder after hearing some of their commentary I wonder if 
it would have been better to not use the UK if that was mm. part of the issue. Because I know reading it, it, it felt very resonant. I think the author's Canadian, mm. but reading it as an American, it to me, it felt very resonant with the issues surrounding how we deal with immigration, but it might things might be really different in the UK. And that was kind of what I was getting from people who have experienced what things are like there. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, yeah. that was my two cents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one who enjoyed no, it. No, you're not. <laughs> I also, I read, I didn't love it, but it's, you know, speaking of Goodreads stuff, the Goodreads Choice Awards for 2020, the first round dropped today. And one of the books on the sci-fi long list is uh, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher Paolini, author of Aragon. So I read it as an arc and it was fine. It wasn't amazing, but yeah. it is interesting because it has aliens in it and it's dealing with this thing I'm talking about of like humans thinking the aliens are out to destroy them. And so we're all going to be at war with each other and try to kill the other person first. And that's pretty interesting. I still need to read that. That is... I'm glad to know that made it because it, it's on my TBR, so I really wanted to try to read, you know, get a jump on some of the novels. Mm-hmm. I definitely have heard it is a beast thing. Though. It's like 900 pages. Yeah, it's a bunker. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It did not need to be 900 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know it had aliens in it, though. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to read it. I've heard mixed things about it, and I didn't like read Eric growing up mm-hmm. or anything so mm-hmm. I don't have any sort of attachment I think yeah. to, to the author so I'm not sure if I'm gonna read it yeah I mean it's an interesting one I think it's way too long the first it's funny because I the the first 20 percent of it I guess is really really good and that's what they were sending out as early copies for people to check out and mm-hmm. it's really interesting kind of thriller vibes and then I thought the character work was not great the world building is really good like the world's really interesting and mm-hmm. if you like more action-packed sci-fi you'd probably enjoy it more because it's either like not much is happening or there's a lot of major action scenes neither of which are my favorite I tend to prefer things that are more about like the politics or the characters and it doesn't have enough of those for me to love it I still gave it three and a half stars like it's yeah. not a bad book um, and conceptually, it's doing a lot of interesting stuff. So I'm curious to see where future books would go. You can read it as a standalone, but it clearly is leaving room open for doing more in the world. Mm, but, yeah, I'll be curious to see how I find that one. I am. I'm really looking forward to reading. I have like Jade. I've never read. You know, I didn't grow up reading Aragon, so I have no. You know, I everybody was so excited for it. And I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is not at all the same it's it was funny to me because his main character is female and it's not always terrible but there were a few moments where I was like oh my gosh a guy totally wrote this female character (laughs) (laughs) oh I hate when that happens oh my gosh no get it right (laughs) it's it's okay I mean it's, it's just funny like oh goodness I like I think one of one of the things was she has this is like not really a spoiler because it happens very early on in the book without giving too much away like it has this alien suit basically end up on her body that she can't do anything about and in the book 
one of the first things that she's concerned about and checks is how it covers her genitals and like concern about <laughs> whether or not if she had sex if it would hurt a man's genitals and I'm like no no you have an alien thing on your body like this is not the first thing you're worried about <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my that was funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. I still have like a lot of, I want to go back to like fear and mm-hmm. talk about the world ending. I don't know why that's still on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's it. do it. I know. I'm so morbid over here. No, I don't know. It's uh, okay. I mean, literally I said we're talking about existential dread, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> well, when we were talking about post-apocalyptic, that led me I was thinking about like this whole concept of like a dying earth and I love in sci-fi when you have characters who are leaving earth to go find a new home. I'm just I'm fascinated by those types of uh, storylines. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. Tori, have you read Planetfall by Emma Newman? I am reading. I want to read those. Yes. That is. I've only read the first one, but that is sort of what happens in that book. There's a group of humans that leave earth. Oh my gosh. And it's so good. I've only read the first one. I definitely want to read the rest of her series. I think they're they're not like straight up sequels. They're kind of like loosely connected. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the first three you can read in any order, but then the fourth one you have to read after the first three or, or something like that. I own don't... a copy of, I think, the second one before Mars. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the third yeah. one. Is the third one? Whatever it is, I, I, I got it because of Rachel from Shades of Orange because mm-hmm. she was talking about how it's about a mother deciding whether or not to leave her child and stuff. And I don't know, just like the themes it was dealing with sounded really interesting. Yeah. Before Mars is the third one. The first one is Planetfall. The second one is After Atlas. And then Before Mars and then Atlas Alone is okay. the most recent one. It came out in 2019. Oh, so I've only read the first one, but it was really good. And I feel like Emma Newman is really underrated when it comes to science fiction he is okay i'm finding i've been finding that out so planet fall is going to be in my october wrap-up i am really oh. in this so far um but i can yeah just even looking at some of the ratings on goodreads i'm like how come more people have not read for this whole series it's so good yeah it's on my list of things i really want to read for sure yeah well, well i highly recommend it nice. yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna finish the first one and then probably go right into the second one because I'm really enjoying this but yeah I've always been fascinated by actually ever since I read To Be Taught If Fortunate that's what really made me oh I loved that so much and a lot of people didn't but I love it do you know I really liked it too like about it I I don't know it seems like there are people who either thought it was boring or didn't like the ending I loved the ending. It made me cry. Yeah. I never cry in books. <laughs> but like a good oh, like so a funny. good cry. Yeah. Right, right. That's funny. I cry in books all the time and I did not cry. But I, I hear that criticism of the ending a lot. But I actually I'm I can be kind of picky about endings, but I actually really liked it. I felt like it was I guess people were saying that they didn't think the ending was realistic for for those characters mm-hmm. but I thought the ending was you know kind of posing a question to the reader mm-hmm. as in like what they would do and I I really like that I, and as a scientist myself I got a lot out of that book yeah well I loved the the ideas behind it in terms of how do we approach 
visiting another planet and what if the approach instead of being about colonization and like taking from it was about like leaving as small a footprint as possible and I thought that conceptually Mm -hmm. was just so cool oh yes I agree I love that I love the idea of like going to explore other planets to learn about their ecosystems but Mm -hmm. trying not to impact them Mm -hmm. yeah I thought that was fascinating yeah that was great. And then just the character dynamic, we, we talked about that earlier, how kind of people come together in the midst of whether it's a surveillance mission or a crisis that's happening on board, the way they the crew came together in that book. I mean, I loved it. I love everything about that novella. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think I grew up watching Star Trek. <laughs> and to be taught a fortunate to me felt like it really embodied the ethos of Star Trek. That was a lot of what it felt like to me, which I think is part of what I loved about it. I've never seen. Okay, um, You've never seen, seen Star, Star Trek. Trek. I know I'm admitting that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only seen a couple episodes. Oh my goodness. Oh man. Kid. I, I, my dad's a Trekkie, okay. but I grew up on Star Wars. So I mean, I grew up with both. My dad was more into Star Wars, but my mom was a big Star Trek fan. And so I grew up watching Next Generation and Voyager a lot. Oh, <laughs> so. funny. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't believe, I just feel like I got my nerd card revoked. I never. I'm a Star Wars fan. My family were huge into Star Wars. Yeah. So. Star Wars is great. I mean, we love Star Wars too, but I I think what's interesting about Star Trek is it's really about exploration without infringing on other cultures. And it's, Mm -hmm. and you know, and I think that's very much what To Be Taught a Fortunate is about, right? That it's about seeking knowledge, not going to take and kind of stake your claim, stake your claim on a place. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that really interesting. It was like an idea that I had never really thought about before. Mm-hmm. So I would love to read more books that explore that as well. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Well, I know we talked or briefly had mentioned A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. Mm-hmm. And I I really, really loved that. But although I, I, like, I get why also it's not necessarily for everybody. But what I think what's interesting about that is it's more focused on culture and politics and sort of what what are the politics of having a intergalactic empire basically right kind of all of star wars but in but if you're but you know instead for those listening the main character is a diplomat and what is what does that look like to be a diplomat going to the seat of this version of almost the roman empire but in space across planets yeah especially from such a small wasn't she she's from like a really small like a small outpost really small. yeah um, herself and just stepping into that and stepping into those the messy politics of that empire that oh my gosh the book was that was really well done yeah yeah I really loved it um I can't wait for the next one yes I'm definitely interested in the next one because what I was more interested in were some of the bigger things that were being hinted at that we learned about more towards the end of the book Mm. and not so much like the smaller size politics of what was going on with her Mm. I just I spent a lot of that book being kind of confused was my issue (laughs) which is hard for me because I usually pick up on politics decently well and like I really like politically driven books so I really thought it was gonna be up my alley Mm -hmm. and just like most of the time I was just like I didn't understand the politics 
that were happening. <laughs> but the yeah. like bigger thing that happens is going on, I'm definitely interested in. So I, I think I'll probably end up picking up that second book. Maybe I'll wait and see what people think of it mm-hmm. before I pick it up, but I'm still intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because the kind of politics you're dealing with is not grand politics. It's not about, um, mm-hmm. you know, treaties or law. It's courtly politics. <laughs> it's like, yeah, which you're in that book. Yeah, which is so well done. So it's about like language and poetry and art and inner interpersonal relationships and the way that those things affect larger political things, which I love. Like I think that's fascinating. But it's you know, so I think I guess that's interesting, right? Because there's two different kinds of p- political things you could get, and this is um, mm-hmm. maybe not what people were expecting. <laughs> yeah. What are some other? Have you do you read a lot of like um, political sci-fi? I mean, I have, I, I'm, I feel like I'm slowly getting back into sci-fi. I used to read a lot more of it. And then fantasy has kind of been, was like a big, I mean, I've always loved fantasy too, but, um, so one interesting series is if you haven't read them, the, the Binti novellas. Oh yeah. Those are the first I saw, I read the first two. Mm -hmm. So Binti. Same. I haven't finished the third one yet. <laughs> I, did, I want to go back to the third one, maybe before the year is out, but we'll see. But I wasn't as crazy about the second one as I was about the first one. I love, mm-hmm. I loved Binti. Just you know, following Binti from her home planet and just even the politics of when we first meet the alien race and they're on the ship together. Just even mm-hmm. navigating that was, mm-hmm. I mean, was so fascinating. Yeah, that was great, and it's yeah. Really- well, the second book is very different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a little. Um, I think it was a lot quieter than yeah. Binti was definitely. And yeah. I mean, I really liked both of them, but they are they are very different books. Yeah. I guess another thing that comes to mind that's kind of a sci-fi fantasy crossover is the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're. I haven't read them yet. Oh my I want gosh, to. Jade, they're so good. <laughs> I mean, I already think I'm going to love them. Yeah. I just haven't picked them up yeah. yet. They're, I mean, they're, and it's a finished series. <laughs> yes. I know you like to I read do love finished my series. finished series. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but they're incredible. And they do have some of the, the politics. They do everything. I mean, that's one, I think one yeah. of the most brilliant series out there, but it does include some of the more political elements in really interesting ways. Yeah, no, it, it really does. It has that book is doing everything like oh every gosh, one in a book. NK Jemison's like, I already yeah. got it here for you, it's fine. Yeah. But, you know, even in aside from the politics in that book, which is also really heavy, the mm-hmm. you know, we're back to again to that post apocalyptic to that dying earth. And I think those, you know, we just, we're seeing so many recurring themes like that. So there is kind of this little nugget of fear in society. <laughs> you know the world is ending or there's like impending doom or something because it's so you know these are the stories that you know we're hyping up that we love and that just seem a little more prevalent than in the last several years yeah you know what you guys are reminding me of a book series that I've read that has aliens in it I can't believe I didn't think about this and actually I think Tori you might have read this trilogy as well 
Uh, but Bethany, have you read the Chaos Walking trilogy by Patrick Ness? The first book is The Knife of Never Letting Go. No, I've never read anything by him. Yeah, so that's the sci-fi trilogy that I really love. Yeah. And it basically, it has, like, the beginnings are a little bit um, like what we were talking about, where the Earth is dying and people have to find another planet to live on. Mm -hmm. So this takes place a little bit in the future from when people left Earth. But uh, basically on this planet that this boy grew up on and his ancestors had like landed there as they were trying to like escape a dying earth on this planet this boy grows up like everybody on the planet can hear the thoughts of everybody else mm -hmm. like just people walking around but also like the animals like everybody has their own thoughts that go out in like into the universe and people can hear them not into the universe but in their you know near vicinity but there's like no women on this planet yeah. and then the boy one day meets a girl i'm pretty sure i can say that because i think it's on the synopsis <laughs> let me pull up the synopsis yeah. and if it's not he meets her pretty early in the book so yeah it happens really early i usually don't worry too much about that as long as it's like pretty early on in something yeah it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know, Tori. What do yeah. you think? I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, obviously he's learning that the world is not what he thought it was mm -hmm. based on, you know, how he grew up. Mm -hmm. But uh, that is a really fascinating book that has aliens in it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it has a little, well, like the series as a whole has aliens in it. I mean, even to, just to kind of piggyback off of that, though, the mention of the girl to, to our main character, I forgot his name. I think it's... Todd. Todd. yeah Todd even the girl to him she's like an alien and so he's kind of like freaked out by her and trying to you know talk to her and navigate around what she's doing and he's really suspicious of her and so I think even to some extent she just kind of comes and shakes up his world he's just kind of fearful of this unknown thing that he's never seen before so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um, it's a series that i've really enjoyed and it it's older so it doesn't get talked about very often yeah. so i like to bring it up whenever i can that's Interesting. a great trilogy cool yeah i mean i've seen it around periodically but i just yeah didn't know and then story yeah. the other one is um well i love this it's story of your life it's a short story by um touching and the movie arrival is based on it and oh, that, cool. oh i love that movie yeah, oh yeah. my god that was a good movie so good amazing but, you know, that story, it deals with language, it deals with aliens and that language barrier when, you know, the kind of that first contact story where you're really trying to figure out what aliens are doing here, what do they want, and just trying to work work with them. So <laughs> you don't really mm -hmm. put you off the map or anything like that. That's uh, such a great short story. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Oh, okay. This reminds me, I don't know what I was thinking. So um, one of the sci-fi books I read this year and really liked a lot has aliens has politics like all of all of these things but Ooh. unconquerable sun by kate elliott have either of you guys read this i just i seriously just picked no. that book up like last week <laughs> i've never <laughs> seen it before i saw it in barnes and noble <laughs> it's great i really loved it so it's a it's a gender flipped retelling of alexander the great but in space yes wow that sounds awesome it's so yeah. awesome <laughs> It's the first in the series too, but it's it's so good, and it has all of that. It's got like court court intrigue and politics and interesting characters and um you know battle scenes and aliens. It's great. It's got like everything. I'm very excited to read that. So the it's so funny. The day I actually picked it up, 
Rachel from Kalanadi. She has an amazing channel. She reads uh, primarily science fiction. She actually reviewed it. And I was like, what are the chances? (laughs) 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 What are the odds I would like buy it and then see it on your channel? I mean, it was, I thought that was funny, but she made it out. That's hilarious. It's It's a sign from the universe. You must read it. so well i think we are about at time so thank you guys so much for joining me this was a really fun conversation yeah it was tons of fun again everybody this has been chapter three podcast and i'm your host bethany you can follow us on twitter at chapter three podcast and you can also find me on youtube at beautifully bookish bethany if you want more bookish content from me check the show notes for any of the books we talked about in the episode if you're looking for them and i will also have links to tori and jade's channels if you want to find them on the internet as well the next episode will be available in two weeks and don't forget to check out our patreon if you want to get early access to episodes and exclusive bonus content like the exciting bonus content we are about to record tonight. Check out the next episode in two weeks and thanks for listening.